Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. As Brian has already said, we're starting a new series. And I certainly count it a privilege to be able to start this new series called Grace. I just want to say how much I appreciated the whole series on kingdom living and the Sermon on the Mount. I hope you did too. Jesus, through the teachers here, taught us so many ways that we can live for him. That's so important. But I want to add or let's say bridge that teaching of kingdom living because it's grace that enables us to live that way. So I want to try to define grace to you. Can't do it in a half an hour. But I hopefully can whet your appetite of the beauty and immenseness of grace. Uh, We'll be in a five-week series. And each one of us is given a different aspect of grace. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 2 to give you an aspect of the beginning of when grace changed our hearts. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 is what we're going to do. But here's what Ephesians 1 says. First of all, it starts out, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is always before peace because it's God's grace that enables us to have that. God tells us, Before the foundation of the world was created, God chose you. That was his grace. Here's another verse in chapter 1 as well, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So we want to try, my, my goal is, let me give you a little sense of what grace is. Most of us learned through the ages, as we were in God's family, grace is unmerited favor. It's something God gives us that we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding something from us that we do deserve. For instance, we deserve hell. And God has mercy on us, and we don't get that. Grace is something we don't deserve. We, we don't deserve 
fellowship with God because of our sin. Even in chapter 2, it talks about there's a wall of separation. But God has broken that down. That's grace. Let me give you a quick definition of grace from the Strong's Concordance in the Greek. And then later on, we're going to kind of go through that a little, a little closer, a little deeper. Grace, karas, that's the Greek word, of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in the Christian faith, knowledge, and affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. What what an incredible definition. So let's take a little look at Ephesians 2, 1 and 10. Ephesians 2, 1. As for you and I, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Well, what does that mean? You're spiritually dead. Even if you go back to the Beatitudes that we learned in Kingdom Living. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who understand they're spiritually dead. There is nothing within me or you that I could ever bring to God where I would find his favor. He, the gracious God, bestows his favor on us. And that's because his son came and died and sacrificed for us. So let's just get through this. I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Then we're going to get to that great verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that most people know. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. I'm dead. I'm hopeless. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul's describing very carefully here what we used to be, what he used to be. He persecuted and killed Christians. I, before Christ came into my life, I was dead. I was a sinner. I could not obey God. So I followed the ways of this world. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. That again brings up the whole kingdom living where God's dealing with the heart here. Our motives, our cravings, apart from Christ, they're evil. They separate me from God. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's that's something that we need to understand as believers. In my sinfulness, in my deadness, God's wrath is upon me. Scripture says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And the wrath of God remains on him. So apart from Christ, 
We're in a bad situation. God's wrath is upon us. We're dead. We will follow our own desires. There's no power apart from God that I could ever conquer this. But, don't you love buts? But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive. We're no longer dead because of God's love and mercy. In our, we were dead in our transgressions. He made us alive. And we were dead. And it is by grace you have been saved by, through faith. Now, if you understand that picture, God's telling us how he takes dead people, makes them come alive. And the, the interesting here in my study... When I'm studying grace, it even talks about love and mercy, then his kindness. So it's all over the place. It's intertwined. But there definitely is specific things we need to understand. And this series, we're going to try to say, what is God's grace? It's marvelous. So it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So it's all in Christ. In order that, now this is part of what we're going to be able to grow into. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in the kindness in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? I'm here to try to help you understand what grace is. And God says, it ain't going to happen. It's going to go into the ages that we will grow in our understanding and appreciation and love for God and his grace. So then it goes on to say this famous verse, for it is by grace through faith that you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. And what the, what the passage does here in the Greek is it, the gift refers back to both grace and faith. Here's a, here's a slogan I love you to practice and learn. By grace through faith. By grace through faith. That's how God redeems us, saves us. Causes us to come alive. Come alive. Magnificent. So it's by grace, through faith, that you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. This is something I've learned in my Christian life. To get a deep understanding of the truth, we're going to do a series in the new year. Apart from me, I can do nothing, is what Jesus says. We can't do anything without Jesus. On my own, I'm desperately lost, helpless. But God's gift, now that I'm a believer, because he's regenerated me. He saved me through faith, not of myself. I'm born again. I'm his child forever. 
Ephesians 1 says, I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee that you and I will travel with Christ until we see him eternally. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, says Titus, but according to his mercy, his grace. Then it goes on and gives us a purpose why God made us alive, saved us, called him to himself. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Again, it's it's not for me then. I don't get saved for me necessarily. I get saved, born again, become a child of God. So now that I can love and serve him. And there's nothing better than that. If you're going through some struggles and you're hearing voices saying, oh, Christian's life's not worth it. That's a lie. And you want to take captive that thought. You want to cry out to Jesus, help me, Lord. Give me your grace so that I can believe the truth. So we're his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to good works, which God prepared in advance to do. Before the foundation of the earth, God looked and said, I have a purpose for Chick, and one day I'm going to call him to myself, and I want him to live for me. That's not only a brilliant plan, how wonderful is that? And even when I fail, his grace still sustains me and carries me. His love forgives me. Um, If I confess my sin, Jesus is faithful and he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. How can you respond to anything but say hallelujah? Let me share a couple verses from Romans. Romans is a great book that spells out the gospel better than any other book. But here's what it tells us. In chapter 5, verse 1, is that whole process that God makes me alive. He calls it in Romans, I'm justified. And it says this, because I'm justified and have peace with God, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. People of hope, or those who go to hope, um, we need to understand it is grace that has saved us. But God is saying, I've opened up the treasures of heaven so that now you and I can embrace his loving grace and be able and enable us to do his will. Nothing better than that. You know, as I tried to, okay, how do I, how do I define this? How does it make sense to me? And I, I think we're going to share this in a little bit. We're going to have it up on the screen. Technology is incredible. <laughs> but I want to give you a little picture of what I've learned as I've tried to make sense of all this. Grace, how does it work? There's love, there's mercy, there's kindness, there's goodness. You know, all kinds of 
ways that it crisscrosses, overflows, and wraps each other. But I want to give you a picture of how I believe God was speaking to my heart. I want to give you two, two verses. One in Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me, John, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So here's the picture. We're seeing the throne of God. John's seeing it. He's trying to explain it to us. And he's telling us, out of the throne comes this river, a river of life. Later on, it talks about the tree of life being on both sides of the river. That, that will be neat to see. We're going to see this, folks. And then we can go to Hebrews chapter 4. And here's what it says. Just another incredible verse. Oh, I think I put my pin the wrong way. Oh, here it is. Now I picture this throne with the river flowing out of it. And here's what Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So here's how I pictured this. We see God's throne. Um, Other places in the scripture talks about the foundation of God's throne is justice and righteousness. Boy, we need to pray for that. That's who God is. His foundation holds his throne and his throne is the throne of grace. And out of this comes this river of life. I don't know if you've ever seen, I love bodies of water, lakes, ocean, streams. But picture with me, if I can give you a clear picture here of this river that's coming pretty forcibly. And it's got obstacles in the way, bolters, rocks, tree fell over. Actually, there's even a little island on some sides of the river. And the river comes with its flow, but then it kind of follows the tributaries or it goes over the rocks and changes it. And I mean, I really believe that's a whole picture of God exerting who he is on our lives. So you may have kindness and mercy here and goodness and his love. But I want to suggest to you that the main flow of the river, the force of the river, is his grace. It's what his grace accomplishes. So let me go back to the definition in the Greek. And hopefully... This will be up on the screen. Grace. Karas. Excuse me. Grace is of the merciful kindness by which God, so you see there's mercy and kindness there, by which God, and I love this word, exerting his holy influence 
upon souls, of which, at the beginning of my salvation, this soul was dead spiritually, empty, separated from God, and is exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them, awakens them to Christ. The word keeps, that's a great word. He sustains us. Grace is the element that God uses in your life and my life every day to enable us to live this incredible holy life. Can't do it on my own. It's the mercy and grace of God. Then it says strengthens, like we have on our banner, a place where God strengthens us. That's what grace does. It strengthens us from the moments that we have weakness, we're tired, we're weary. God, I ask that you would just bestow your grace upon me. I need your grace in this moment. And it increases us in the Christian faith. Grace saves me. Grace also enables me to live the Christian life. That's called sanctification. The process of me becoming like Christ is through his wonderful grace. And, and he increases my, my heart, my soul, in this Christian faith. I want to grow in faith and in knowledge and affection. And it kindles grace comes and lights a fire under my soul when I am weak, when I doubt, when I'm fearful. It kindles us to the exercise, practice of the Christian virtues. Virtues. There's a, a word we don't use a whole lot. Virtues is the ability to live pure and holy. Back to the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. God, through his grace, enables us to live virtuously. Boy, we need that today. Where everything seems crooked and lies, fake news. God's news isn't fake. It's true. It's dependable. And we want to cling to that. Well, let me just wrap this up this way. Wow, chick, that sounds pretty incredible. <laughs> it is. Grace is incredible. I, we will learn about grace to the end of the age. So, how do I get it? How do I, how do I obtain grace for tomorrow? For the end of the day today. Well, I'll say it this way first. Even when I don't ask, God and his grace is working in my heart. I look back on my life. Um, I saw times of difficulty, sadness. A very deep sadness for Luane and I is when our daughter, who was older than Steve, 
developed this eye problem. And then two years later, Steve developed it. I look back at that time, and I want to tell you that my Savior supplied Wayne and I grace to accept that, receive that. Hard, difficult? You bet it was. But even as we saw Jamie and Steve grow up through these difficult things, and they had a lot of trouble, we saw God's grace upon their lives too. They weren't asking for grace, but grace was moving in their hearts to make sure they stayed the course. It taught me, I'll take God's grace anytime. So God works even when we don't ask, but I want to add this as the next point. Ask. Ask God for grace. God's grace, his riches, his storehouse is abundant. Philippians says, my God should supply all your needs according to your riches in glory. Well, I want you to tell those riches is his grace. We read about that in Romans. Ask for grace. Then second, look for grace. Believe that God is working in your life through all the hardship, the troubles. God's there. Believe that. Look for it. Because I believe as we see the hand of God in our lives, it's going to strengthen us in our faith and who God is. That's marvelous. God has done that in my life so often. And then third and last, I want to depend upon God's grace. I need to realize that apart from all of who God is, I'm in deep trouble. But when I allow God to work in my heart and he works in your heart, you will see him work. I've seen it for over 50 years now. God's faithfulness to me. And here's here's a good tip. He doesn't love me more than he does you. God's impartial. He loves his children equally. So we need to take the time and embrace all that God has by grace through faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word teaches us amazing things. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Thank you for grace. Thank you for saving me. And continue to use your grace in my life and all those at hope that you would carry us along in powerful ways because your grace is powerful. In Jesus' name, amen.